Every time I'm expected to preach, during the week I find myself reaching down to the scripture readings and trying to find something that will give me hope. What turn of phrase or biographical detail or contextual clue can reach across the millennia and speak to us today. I figure if we can find and share that small bit of hope together on a Sunday morning, it might give us enough to sustain us through the rest of these crazy weeks. It's not to say the lessons, aren't, the lessons to be learned aren't hard, though. The good news of the gospel challenges us in many, many ways. But it is good news, after all. Even if the good part may be intended for life after the second coming. And the scripture that gave me hope this week was, a bit surprisingly, from the Old Testament. It's rare that we preach from the Hebrew scriptures on a Sunday, especially when we have something like today's gospel in front of us. And the reading with its juicy confrontation between Jesus and the, those sent by the Pharisees, we have the memorable render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. That scripture has fed many a Sunday sermon, especially during stewardship season. But this year, I think, calls for something different something that speaks to our condition here in 2020. We're in Exodus, we're in the wilderness, and the Israelites, who are Yahweh's beloved, have just done the unimaginable. Lost in the wilderness and with Moses on Mount Horeb, they panic. They've escaped Egypt only to perish in this forbidding desert. And the priest Aaron tries to soothe them with an idol, a golden calf. Their heresy inflames God, inflames Yahweh, who's been with them since before leaving Egypt, and he threatens to destroy them. And it's only Moses' direct intervention that keeps them from perishing. Yahweh then calms down, but you just know the pain of this betrayal stings. And he refuses to go with them any further. He's not going to go with them into the promised land. He's going to abandon his people and leave them on their own to journey into this land of milk and honey. And this freaks Moses out. What does he do? He lashes out at God. He lashes out at Yahweh and insists the Lord go with them into the promised land. And he pushes so much that he eventually gets his way, and then some. Today's Old Testament reading speaks to us as a people lost in the wilderness, a people tempted to blindly follow superficial idols like golden calves or politicians or economic systems and leave Yahweh alone on the mountaintop, waiting. There are three critical questions in today's Exodus reading that I believe speak directly to us in this present moment. First, where is it God in the midst of wilderness? Second, how do we talk to God, especially from the wilderness? And finally, who are we without God? What does his presence mean for us? These are three critical, existential questions. And they give us three important takeaways that speak to our lives today. And that give us, if not yet hope, then at least a way to get to hope. The Israelites and Moses are in the middle of the desert, far from familiar Egypt, and even farther from the unfamiliar promised land. God is threatening to abandon them right there. Now, throughout the Old Testament, 
there's a tendency to find God in what might be called mountaintop moments. Burning bushes, pillars of smoke, angels of death at the Passover. It's all very theatrical, which is why Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments movie take over our televisions every Easter. We expect to find God in the big, cinematic moments. And given the relatively uncinematic nature of our daily lives, it can make us feel like God's forgotten us, that he's off on the mountaintop chatting with Moses while we're abandoned in day-to-day existence. Where is God in the midst of wilderness? Now, we also need to remember that God is also in those still, small voices that Elijah hears in the cave. God is also in Samuel's dream when he repeats, here I am, you called me, to his mentor, Eli. Now, using New Testament terminology, you might call these mustard seed moments, quiet moments, little moments of miracles, when the old ways aren't working and something new seems to be breaking in. God is especially present in wilderness times, times of transformation, fearful times. To Moses, he says, I will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name, the Lord. Yahweh. Moses is at his most fearful. The Israelites have rebelled. God is threatening to abandon them in the desert, but God remains faithful in spite of the people's betrayal. God stays with them. So we find God present in the midst of wilderness. The second question today's scripture helps us answer is, how do we talk to God, especially in times of wilderness? I think Moses shows how to speak to and how to engage with God in in our wilderness moments. To say he has a fair degree of chutzpah is to put it mildly. He says stuff like, you told me to go to the promised land, but you're not going with me. I found favor in your sight. Now let me find your favor in mine. He pushes Yahweh. He even says, show me your glory. And here, Yahweh, here the deity draws the line. And in one of the most intimate moments with God, he shields Moses' eyes, puts him in a cleft in the rock, and and passes by him as he's protected. Moses shows us how, especially in wilderness times, it seems that when it seems like God is abandoning us, that we can be brutally honest, even angry with God. The same way we can argue with family and still love them dearly. I think Christians, we have a tendency to be too timid with God. We, should, we would do well to be more like our Jewish brothers and sisters and be up front, to just share our frustration, share our anger when we speak with God. Because God can't handle it. It's how covenanted relationship works. African-American writer and activist James Baldwin maintained that the ability to push back in a dialogue is a sign of maturity, that we see and understand enough to be able to finally express ourselves, to stand firm, even in the face of unimaginable power. Moses shows this maturity in his engagement with Yahweh. We learn to find God in both the wilderness wilderness, in both mountaintop and mustard seed moments. We speak to God honestly from our hearts and sometimes angrily out of pain. We're not timid. But the final question this morning's reading faces us with, is possibly the key question of this entire section of Exodus. 
who are we without God? What does God's presence mean about us? And in the reading, Moses' anxiety goes through the roof when Yahweh suggests he won't accompany them to Israel. Yahweh's concerned that in another fit of rage, he'll do away, do away with this unruly band of what he calls stiff-necked people. They'll betray him again, and he won't be able to control himself that time. He won't have Moses on the mountain to calm him down. And Moses knows that without Yahweh, without God, the very thing that makes Israel special disappears. They become a loose band of vagabonds in the desert with the tendency to argue with each other. Without the God, the chosen people aren't, well, aren't chosen anymore. And Mo Moses argues, in this way, that is, with God, we shall be distinct, I and your people, from every people on the face of the earth. God is central to that. And how familiar does that sound? How deep is the temptation in any community to think that its specialness is some property only they possess. Think about it. How often does this apply to faith communities? How we think we are somehow the chosen ones, and the others are wrong. How often does it apply to nation states, imagining themselves special when it is entirely God's election that singles them out? And the funny thing is, that election is universal. It knows no country, party, creed, or culture Israel is special because God is present with Israel. Today's reading reminds us how easily that presence, that presence of God can be withdrawn. We find ourselves today only a golden calf or a golden tongue rhetorician away from making it all disappear. I said earlier that I'm always looking for signs of hope in our weekly scripture. The interesting thing is hope always turns up often not in the usual places. Today's reading, hope shows up in the wilderness. When we seem lost, when God seems distant, when our tongues are tied up in knots, today we're invited to look for God in mountaintop moments, when transformation happens in the blink of an eye, and also in mustard seed moments, when grace quietly whispers words of comfort and presence in our ears. And we trust our voices in these wilderness times, We've gained the wisdom and maturity to speak openly to God. We can argue with Him, push back, question, challenge. We can even be a little angry. God's big enough to handle it. And we pray for, we shout for, we insist upon God's presence with us. Here, now, in the wilderness, our covenant is very much alive. And after all that, chances are we'll feel that much better. Maybe, just maybe, God will gently cover our eyes and pass by in front of us, protecting us. And we'll get a glimpse of God's unimaginable glory. Let's hope so. Amen.